Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Hello, church. I know I was up there, but now I'm here, so that's cool, right? It's good to see you. If you're online, we're really glad that you're with us as well today. Um, Question, how do you respond to someone you can't stand? I know it's such a it's such a hypothetical question because none of you have people in your life in whom you cannot stand. But let's just let's just consider maybe what if you had someone you couldn't stand? How do you respond to them? Uh, Now, I have to admit this was um, I was asked to do this uh, by my coach. Okay, so I'm a little bit innocent in the situation, but. Uh, we were in a game, a hockey game, uh, and the other team had what uh, we as uh, hockey players would call a goon on the other team. Okay, uh, This was somebody who would take cheap shots uh, and would do it often. And uh, we did not like him. We did not like him at all. And I remember coming off of the ice uh, and onto the bench for a shift change. Uh, and, and my coach, I don't remember the exact words he told me, but what I heard him say... And he would agree with me on this. What I heard him say was, hey, give him a taste of his own medicine. Take him out. So, uh, yeah, I was the guy he asked, and that was for good reason. I'm not a big guy, but I pride myself, I did, on making big people fall down really hard, okay? So, uh, I'm playing forward, he's playing defense, and uh, we, we've got the puck, and we're uh, going down toward the, the net that we're trying to score on, um, and so we dump the puck into the zone. So we, if you've been to a Comets game, you, you know, sometimes they, they toss the puck into the zone for the other team to kind of mess with, and then we, we go and attack and try and get him. So he's playing defense at this time, I'm playing forward, dump the puck in, he is behind, uh, very close to the net, kind of behind that against the boards, okay? Uh, and if you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, just go with me. You'll get the basic idea. All right. So he's got the puck. He's trying to finagle with it and he's having some trouble. And I'm over by the blue line, but I'm not stationary, y'all. I'm moving. All right. I'm moving very quickly, very fast. And, uh, I, I have my crosshairs on him. Uh, he is right there and I am charging at him. I'm not concerned about the puck. Okay. I don't care where the puck goes. I'm concerned where he is. That's how I played hockey. That way, now I'm in adult league and I can't hit people, and now I have to de- deal with the puck. You know, it's just harder um, and less fun. But anyway, uh, go, going right toward him, and he's got the puck, and he gets rid of it, and then I don't stop, and I drill him into the boards, and he goes down. He's he's hurt for a minute, and I get a roughing penalty. Okay, so I had to go sit in the penalty box at this time, um, and. You see, I learned later he did not get the memo I was trying to send him. Because my memo was, hey, stop it. Stop what you're doing. Just stop that. Don't be a goon. But what he heard was, oh, he don't like me. He took a cheap shot on me. Now I'm going to go fight him. So later in in that game, I got in a fight with the goon because he didn't hear what I was trying to say. How do you respond? To someone you can't stand. I know, your pastor, here I am. <laughs> See, uh, we live right now in a society that uh, has become highly reactive. 
um, highly reactive. We are um, on edge and like we talked about last week, unhinged. That uh, everywhere you look, there are physical assaults. There are verbal assaults going on. Some of us deal with textual assaults. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's through text messages, through Snapchat, through social media of any kind. And uh, we are interpreting sometimes email, sometimes articles, and we are dealing with the assaults of everyone around us. And uh, we don't live in a very peaceful world because everyone seems to, especially in this day and time, everyone seems to be a little bit on edge, right? And when you're on edge and you're dealing with someone you can't stand, guess what you do? It's fight or flight. You either attack or you avoid. And that's not a good place to be. And what I believe is that God has called us as followers of Jesus to live peaceful lives. But he's given us that promise and given us that uh, opportunity even in the midst of a very of a world that lacks peace, a peaceless world. But we can still live peaceful lives, uh, but we have to take some steps and follow Jesus into that. So what we're going to talk about today is how we can find peace even in the midst of people wronging us and hurting us. So uh, we're in week five of the, the series The Good Life. And what we've been doing over the course of the last five weeks, and we've got one more uh, next week, uh, we've been walking through verse by verse Romans chapter 12, because in Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us what the kind of life we're called to live is like. And I believe it's the good life, but it's a lot of times really contrary to what our typical reactions are, if we're just being honest. So Romans chapter 12, if it sounds good, if you want to have peace in your life, I think Paul has something to say to us today. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. This is what he says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Do not repay, what's that word church? Do not repay, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Uh, we're going to start there, and we're going to focus on that for a bit. Um, evil. So what is he saying? It's like sometimes people pay us with, with some evil stuff. They use some currency of evil. Sometimes it's, it's uh, talking about you or talking directly to you and being insulting or insensitive. Or sometimes it's, they, it, they actually not just hurt you, but they harm you. Um, that is a normal thing in life because we live in a sinful world and we've got people who are on edge and reactive and, and we deal with that on some level. And all of us who've lived a little bit of time, uh, we have dealt with that where someone pays us with evil uh, and what Paul is saying, hey, don't repay anyone evil for evil. He's not saying, hey, you won't be paid evil anytime. He's saying, hey, this will happen. And when it does then we need to step into something different because our automatic, our operating, what Scripture says, operating in the flesh, is to repay evil for evil. You gave me that, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to get some payback. And that's what we typically do when we're operating on a fight or flight basis. When we avoid flight and we go fight, that's what we do. We repay evil for evil. Think about it like this. You're going through a day, and uh, every moment of the day, when you come into contact with someone, 
uh, they pay you with something, metaphorically speaking. Uh, if they're nice and they're kind and, and they're encouraging to you, then, then they're paying you with some joy, with some, with some happiness. And you, you put that in your pocket, or ladies, you put that in your purse and you carry it around with you. And, and sometimes when people are really nice to you, uh, at the beginning of your day, that changes your day all day, right? Like, that's a good thing, and you're like, man, I, I feel good. Like, there is still hope in humanity, right? Uh, this feels good. Like, I'm so glad I am here. But sometimes that's not what happens. Sometimes uh, you're at the beginning of your day, you're on your way to work, you are uh, at school, you're at work, you're at home, and something happens where someone pays you with some evil, with, with some kind of thing, where they, maybe they insult you or they, they, they hurt you in some kind of way. And what do we do when we get paid something? What, right? When we're, uh, when someone pays us some money, where do we put it? We put it in our pocket or we put it in our purse and we walk around with it because that's what we, we do. We need to have that with us because at some point we're going to have an opportunity to pay someone else. And, and the risk we run is to receive that evil payment and to put it in our pocket and to walk around with it and, and, Hear me this, hear, hear this, what you, what you don't forgive, you pass on. So if you don't let go of that evil in your pocket, the next time you're with someone, then you're going to be more apt to take that out and pay it to someone else. We, we've all noticed this in life, right? It's just a, a very universal truth that if we're not really particular on, on really consciously taking that evil out of our pocket, out of our purse, and putting it over there and letting it go and giving it to God, then we're going to pass it on to someone else. It's just the way things work. That's how our moods work, how our emotions work. That we will take the energy and the, the posture and the attitude of someone else, and if we're not on guard, if we're not paying attention, then we'll easily receive that and then we'll pass it on to other people. And, and, and that is not what Paul wants us to do. He doesn't want us to just go down that path anymore. And here's why. Think about it. Um, do not repay anyone evil for evil. What, what, what do we as humans have a tendency to do? We have a tendency in our relationship with God, um, we have a tendency to pay him with evil, right? That's what we do when we sin. When we sin, we pay God with evil. We got, hey God, here's, here's my sin, here's that. And then we give that to him. And what did Jesus do? What did God do through his son Jesus to repay us with? Did he repay us evil for evil? No, he gave us an opportunity to receive Christ's currency. Christ's currency. Not a dollar bill, y'all, but something different. Not shame, but a fully paid for grace. See, Jesus went to the cross to take on our evil, the evil that we gave to him, that he put on his back, and he paid that price so that he could shower us with grace. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just dismiss your sin. He paid for your sin. That that sin was paid for. Justice had to be done. That's why Jesus had to die. Our sin was that great. That Jesus, the infinite God, had to die with our sins on his back. And so payment was made. Justice was done. And now, in response, Jesus pays us, pays us back with, not evil, but with grace. And that is the gift that we get to receive if we surrender to Jesus. 
And so now, as people who are receiving Christ's currency, you see, the cool thing is, uh, grace, this, this currency, grace, it's from the, from Grace Bank, okay? And Grace Bank doesn't have banking hours, okay? It's not just open nine to five, Monday through Friday, and then nine to, nine to noon on Saturday, okay? Uh, you don't have to be wondering, oh, am I gonna make it there on time when you sin? Understand, Grace Bank is open 24-7 and all the time, uh, grace can be received and be offered to you because God's grace is not going away. He's not, it's not suffering from inflation. Its value is not going down. Instead, God showers us with grace through Jesus for all days. And so, as people who surrendered to Jesus and have received that grace, if you have, then he's calling us to do the exact same thing God did for you. If someone pays you with evil, you pay them back with grace. Just like Jesus did for you. But, that's not easy, is it? We need to depend on the Holy Spirit's guidance and work in our lives in order for us to be able to follow him in that Endeavor. So Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Let's read it again. This is what it says. Uh, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay, we talked about that. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Give careful thought. Thoughtfulness. Is that common today? Thoughtfulness? Not really. Thoughtfulness, where you're around someone who can, who can take a step back. See, that's not what we see today, but it's what we should be today. We should be thoughtful people. And think about this, y'all. We, remember we talked about Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, in our Battle Zone series, where we talked about how God is inviting us to submit ourselves uh, as a holy and living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and we should uh, allow Him to renew us, to transform us by the renewing of our minds. That's what God is trying to do in us, so that we can have new minds that are shaped by grace, shaped by God, shaped by truth, and shaped by love, rather than the minds that we've been grown up with and that we've shaped by the world, right? So he's trying to change us so that we can be thoughtful people and not just emotional people, but we can be thoughtful people. And so I think, I believe that we as followers of Jesus should be the most thoughtful people in the world. Why wouldn't we? If if it's true that God is doing a work not just in your will, not just in your heart, but in your mind, then we as followers of Jesus should be the most thoughtful people in this earth. But what does it mean to be thoughtful? In order to be thoughtful, we have to take a step back from the situations we're in. A thoughtful person can, can say, okay, this is what's happening to me. I'm going to take a step back from that. And I'm going to look at the bigger picture, the bigger perspective. I'm going to look for not just the bigger picture out here, but I'm also going to consider the thing beneath the thing that may be causing this person to pay me with evil. In other words, hurt people hurt people. So maybe if someone's trying to hurt you or harm you, it's because they've been hurt and they've been harmed and that wound has not been healed. Right? And so we, we take a step back and say, okay, what's the bigger picture here? This person's trying to pay me with evil, and, and I obviously don't like that. How do I respond to them? See, when we are not thoughtful people, we just react. We fight or flight. And, and, and the fight or flight is shaped by how we grew up and how we dealt with conflict, right? 
some of us grew up in homes where we didn't talk about the issues. We, we just said, uh, uh, peacekeeping is what we did. Right? And, and we got to keep the peace. So in order to keep the peace, the conflict has to be put over there in the closet. We'll, we'll, we'll close the door and we won't deal with it. And so we'll, we'll avoid it just to keep the peace. Some of us, we, we, we tried to keep peace by, by just giving in to all of the heightened emotion. And we just, we just grew up in a home where it was just constant yelling. And arguing, and no one hurt each other. We just, like cats, right? Cats are angry. and then, What Paul, or what Jesus told us in the, the Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, is, hey, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so what he says is that if you want to deal with conflict, deal with the person who's giving, paying you with evil, then we have to be ones who are willing to pursue that. We have to actually engage on it, but we can't engage it just on an emotional level because that will not get any, uh, any, any progress made. He's saying give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Now, y'all, that is, um, that is a hard thing. See, we have some barriers to being thoughtful people. There's some barriers that we have in our hearts, in our minds, in our experiences that make it to where we are not very thoughtful people. It makes it to where it's harder. Okay, I'm going to give you five barriers uh, to being a thoughtful person. And maybe through those barriers you can see maybe something that may uh, resonate with you. Uh, it won't be on the screen, but if note takers, if you want to take notes, just you're ready. Pen's ready. Pencil's ready. Okay, Five barriers to being a thoughtful, per- being a thoughtful person. So these are the things that keep you from being thoughtful. Uh, no particular order. Number one, you lack margin. You lack margin. Um, think about how often you are a calm, non-anxious, thoughtful person in the midst of a frantic, busy schedule. Ain't happening, right? Uh, when in the Kelly household, when things are busy and we got a lot of things going on, and, and mom and dad are a little stressed, and, and the kids, y'all, we have we have a household that the volume knob it, it's beyond where it should be. You know, it goes past 10. You know what I mean? And, and our boys, they are of the age where their voices are, are so high-pitched. And, and they're not able to really pronounce all the words they're trying to say. That it oftentimes just is an overwhelming, deafening sound of constant chaos. And if mom and dad lack margin, that's going to be stressful. Because we are not going to respond the way we should we're going to react. And so we ha- we've had to learn, hey, when, when, things, when life gets busy, we've got to find spaces to find margin. It could be just finding a spot uh, to hide from the kids for five minutes and take a deep breath. Right? I mean, th- think about that for you in your context. Maybe, maybe you have kids at home, maybe you don't. What would that look like for you when you lack margin and you notice yourself becoming reactive? What would it look like to find some margin so that you're not so reactive. Because if we're reactive, then we're not going to be thoughtful. Number two, you assume the worst in people. This is something so common today. You assume the worst in people. Now, granted, there's a disclaimer, everyone's sinful. So you can assume someone's going to sin. Got that? But usually what we do is we assume that they are far worse than we are. Right? You're never the bad guy in the story of your life, right? 
Not unless you've gotten honest with yourself. And so we assume the worst in people, and when we do that, we don't want to hear what they have to say. We don't care. They don't know. So that keeps us from being thoughtful because we assume the worst in people, and it may just be that we need to see them as someone made in the image of God, and then we could actually hear what they have to say. Number three, you lack curiosity. You lack curiosity. Um, If you're the one who's always right, and your opinion is the only one that matters, it's because you're lacking curiosity. And curiosity requires a prerequisite of humility. And curiosity is a really good thing because it puts us in a posture where we ask questions. We try to understand what, where the other person is coming from rather than just what we feel. Number four, uh, you don't listen enough. It's another barrier. We don't, we don't hear. We just respond. You don't, you don't listen enough. Because if, if you always think you're right, then there's no point in listening. Number five, uh, and this is a hard one, and, and it could be a whole sermon series. You've allowed talking points to form you. Um, the, the lack of thoughtfulness in our day and time, I believe, is attributed to our need for talking points. Talking points are nice and tidy, uh, and they're easy to regurgitate. And this is true on the political standpoint. This is true on a church standpoint. It's true on just life in general. Cliches, talking points that we just go back to. Um, and I think the reason, and one of the, and for, for me, like one of the hardest things to do is... Uh, help us see as followers of Jesus that um, if if your think about this if your uh, growing up in the Lord has been more shaped by talking points given to you by people versus you uh, taking those things and investigating it for yourself or, or or actually digging into word into the word on your own to where you can consider it. You can be in God's word and actually consider what he's saying about these particular things. Then then we're going to be really shallowly formed people who can't stand the crises of our day. If you're not in scripture, if you're not digging into the word and hearing from God yourself and your discipleship is only formed by what other people taught you, all you're doing is taking the scraps of someone else's time in scripture and trying to think, that that's going to be a full meal for you. And that's hard, I know, because there's so many things out there. So I, I preach every week. You can get all kinds of podcasts from other pastors you like better. You could listen to those all day. You could, you could get a bunch of devotionals. I've written a book you could read. And you could go to all those supplementary things. And you can, that can be all the meals that you get versus actually spending time for yourself in Scripture. And I believe that if we are going to be the kind of thoughtful people this world needs, that God's calling us to be, then we need to be people who can get past the talking points, stop regurgitating all those things, and actually dig in to see what is true. You see, like, Scripture is the filet mignon of your meal. You and just getting in the Word. Uh, A sermon, a devotional, a book you read about the Bible, that's like the mashed potatoes. It's good, Right? It's the green beans. They're good, but they're not, it's not sustainable in and of itself. Hey, what are we having for dinner? 
bunch of mashed potatoes, baby. Right? There ain't going to be enough nutrients for you. Right? But too many of us are trying to live that way from a spiritual level. And the way we think about the world. And the way we think about the way the world should work. So barriers to being a thoughtful people, uh, thoughtful person, I think those are all important to consider. Where do, where do you find yourself uh, landing on that? But, but some of you may be wondering, like when you look at this verse, if you've got your, your Bible open and you can see it, um, he says, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And some of you may be wondering, why should I care what everyone else thinks? Why should I care what is honorable in everyone else's eyes? Right? Because we live in a world that very much fundamentally disagrees on values. And if we disagree on values, then we disagree on what's honorable, right? So what in the world is Paul saying? Was he living in a la-la land of an ultimate utopia where everyone agreed with each other? No, he was not. This is the first century Rome. This is, this is uh, the, the center of the most pagan society known to mankind at that time. They, they had, they had a, a, a church service for some people was going and having sex with priestesses in the temple that they worshipped in. That was them going to church. That's weird, right? That's far worse than what we deal with from a religious standpoint. We'd call that a cult. There was all kinds of evil, so all kinds of violence, all kinds... Of things that, that we look at and we're like, wow, that would be really bad. And at the same time, we can see in our world that there's plenty of things that are really bad. And so why should we care what other people think? Paul, homie, uh, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Why should we care about, about that? I think what Paul is saying and what we should, why we should care is this. If, if everyone looks at followers of Jesus... As these truth-telling, mean people. What will they think about our Christ? We have a, um, a PR problem in the church today. Because we are, a lot of us, like most of it, like we, we see what's happening in the world, right? We see that truth is, uh, uh, is not being uplifted and, and we don't, we, we see a lot of evil. We see a lot of stuff that would be contrary to what God would say. And a lot of us, we get frustrated with that. We get passionate about that because we stand for truth, right? You're not sure if you should say yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> we care about the truth. The truth will set you free. So scripture says, we should care about the truth. And we see a community, a a culture, a society that doesn't care. And so we get frustrated. We say, this is how you should see. How do you not see this? What are you doing? You're losing your minds. Instead of, we, we start just telling truth, telling truth, telling truth. And what we forget is that in our, in only telling the truth, we are potentially sacrificing the relationship we need to bridge the truth to someone's heart. 
And so we live in a society where we're so quick to react, we're so quick to spout off because everyone has a platform and everyone has an opinion and we've gotten used to everyone just and we, we kind of get focused in on our little little segment of the population and, and we just want to hear what we think. And, and when someone disagrees with us, our society has, has started to convince even us in the church that someone disagreeing with you is an attack on you. And that's just not true. And so what I think what we're missing, church, is we should care uh, to do what is honorable in other people's eyes because we should care how we come across to them. That does not mean we sacrifice our convictions or sacrifice the truth that we believe. But it does mean that we consider that they are a person made in the image of God and they deserve our dignity and respect and we're called to, after loving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love people. Right? And so we've seen our society become so frantic and so divided and so on edge. And church, we need not contribute to that. We need to be the thoughtful people who can disagree with someone and even in our disagreement, show them love. Because that, my friends, would be honorable in everyone's eyes. I was thinking about what, what would it be like? What, what, what would more people, what most people see as honorable? Here's just some ideas. I think some of these are on the right track. Uh, number one, integrity. If, if we would live with integrity, we would say what we mean and we would mean what we say and we would do what we say we're going to do, that our word is our bond, that we should actually, and we could actually be the same person uh, in public as we are in private and vice versa. That, I think, is attractive and honorable, that people would find that you would be a respectful kind of person, that they would respect if we lived with integrity. Uh, the second thing is that we would be respectful, that we would see the image of God in every single person, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their issues, regardless of the, the things that they don't see eye to eye with Scripture in, that we would see them as someone who deserves our respect. And we would see uh, that we would be people who are kind. You know, kindness is so rare these days. And we mean a kindness that's, that's like not truthful, but a kindness that really comes from the heart toward the person, then we care about them. Kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So we ought to be kind. Uh, gentle. You know, you can be uh, really committed to your convictions about what Scripture says, and you can still be a gentle person. That's hopefully how we do so with like our kids and our friends and our loved ones. We don't sacrifice the truth, but we, we're gentle with them. Why? Because we care about them. We don't just care about being right. Another thing is humble. Humility, I think, is honorable. I, I, with a disclaimer, I don't know that our society really sees humility as a a great thing to be celebrated when it's just through a screen, but in person, we appreciate humility, right? We ap appreciate the lack of arrogance. We appreciate humility. Someone who doesn't think they've got it all figured out. It's off-putting. And, and the last thing is, is just an overall attitude, and that is to be interested. To be interested. When you're interested in someone, you know who they find interesting? You. Why? Because you're asking them questions about themselves. You're asking them questions about their life. And thereby, you are showing them that you care. 
and earning the opportunity to say the true things that you need to say and maybe just maybe just bridge the gap between where they are and invite them to follow Jesus with their lives. So Romans chapter 12, verse 18. That was all one verse, y'all, and I got to move, okay? You're making me go too slow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're being too good of listeners. Okay, Romans 12, verse 18 is what it says. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace <clears throat> with everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul, he, he gives us like a couple disclaimers because he realizes this world cray cray. Uh, <laughs> uh, and sometimes peace isn't possible. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He didn't say, hey, live at peace with everyone. I'm so glad he didn't say that because sometimes it ain't going to happen. Because no matter how much you try to pursue peace, you will find that some people don't want to live in peace with you. Now, we may just think, oh, man, Paul, you're being so idealistic. You're so idealistic. Can you really think that peace is something we should pursue? Is it worth our time? Uh, Leon Morris, a, a commentator uh, and Bible scholar, he, he said this about this passage, about this verse. He says, we do not live in an ideal world, but a world peopled by sinners. The command to live peaceably is meant not for an ideal environment, but for this sinful world, a world inhabited by people like us. The command should cause us to do some self-examination before we blame other people too quickly for the difficulties in which we find ourselves. And it is a commandment to be obeyed, not the occasion for a crop of plausible excuses as to why we did not obey it. What he's saying is, hey, this is like Paul really meant it when he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably among everyone. He's actually meaning that at all times, for all days, no matter what the culture looks like, no matter what your situation is, that is something we should pursue. It doesn't matter the, the particularities. We should pursue peace. Pursue peace. It's something that we're called to do. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, if you're going to make peace, it can't happen passively. You've got to pursue it. Uh, yesterday, Sarah and I celebrated uh, 11 years of being married. It's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Some of you are like, young bucks, you ain't learned nothing. I get it. It's fine. Um, and a couple of days before that, we celebrated being together uh, as an item for 15 years. That's like half her life, you know. So for half her life, she's been blessed by me, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know what had to happen in order for me to be uh, that person in her life? I had to pursue her. Uh, I had to pursue her. And I, had, I, had to, I had to take an interest in what she found interesting. I had to take an interest in what she thought, what her opinions were, how she felt how her perspective was. I had to actually go to her and actually uh, bridge the gap between what I knew about her and what she knew about herself and what she was looking for in someone. And I had to pursue her in a way. I had to show her that I, that I care for her, that I'm here uh, through thick and thin. I, needed to, I had to actually pursue her, not just to get her to say yes to be my girlfriend, but I had to pursue her all throughout that relationship and even now. right? I, it takes pursuit. And I think pursuing peace is a lot like that in a relationship. Because if we're going to pursue peace, we have to take an interest and care about what they think, about what their perspective is, 
about how they view the world and how they feel and how they think. We have to actually take an interest in them and we will not be able to pursue peace and make peace if we do not take an interest in pursuing the other person that we have a strife with. It's just not going to be possible if we don't pursue them in that way. To pursue peace. It's worth your time. And yes, it may not happen. It may not actually uh, come to a point where you can say, yes, I feel at peace with this person. That we are at peace. It may not happen. Because you have to understand that it's not all up to you. A relationship, in order for us to make peace, there has to be reciprocity involved. Right? It has to be both parties. And so if someone has paid you evil and you decide to give them grace and they decide to pay you back with evil, understand you've done what you can do. You've done what you can do to be honest with them about what they did and how that made you feel. To be honest with, with them on what, what, what your perspective is and how you care about them and what their perspective is. You ask them questions. But ultimately, at the end of the day, peace may not come. And that's the unfortunate disclaimer in all this. And so in order for us to be at peace in the midst of a peaceless world, we have to have a thriving relationship with God. We have to invest in that relationship. Because at some point in your life, people you thought you could depend on will show themselves to be not very dependable. At some point, The rubber will meet the road and you'll find a relationship that is not going to be reconciled. And and what you have to decide in that moment is, am I going to lean on God through this? And am I going to pursue peace to the best of my ability? And at the end of the day, I've got to put it in God's hands. Because, friends, God doesn't want us walking around with bitterness in our pocket. Bitterness in our purse because someone paid us with evil. If you think about payback, this is what he wants. When people pay you with evil, pay them back with grace. When people pay you with evil, pay them back with grace. And that won't happen unless you have a thriving relationship with the Lord. And you can remind yourself that when I paid Jesus with my evil, he paid me back with grace. When I was one who wasn't able to see the truth, uh, God kept pursuing me to the point where now I can see the truth. Uh, if you don't have a thriving relationship with the Lord, the one who will not, will not change, who will not uh, leave you or forsake you, who will not uh, let you be by yourself and push you aside when conflict comes, he's going to be the one who's steady, who's always with you, who's always leading you, who's always guiding you. He's the one who's going to sustain you through the ups and the downs of life. And he's the only one who can provide the peace that you need in order to live in this world and be at peace at the same time. And so we have to invest our relationship with our king. We have to be thoughtful people, take a step back from all the things that are happening and really allow Jesus to shape our thinking about all kinds of issues in life. Political issues allow the king of the kingdom of God to shape your views on politics. On social issues, uh, allow King Jesus to shape your perspective on social issues that are a big way of saying people. The things that you believe to be true about God, allow Jesus to shape those things. 
Not because of talking points. Not because of something you saw on Facebook. Not because of some social media algorithm that's just feeding you an echo chamber of things that you already think and already believe. But because you stepped back and you could see things clearly because you allowed God to do a work in you and you started seeing things in a very clear mind because you are able to see the bigger picture and see the thing beneath the thing because you know how our Lord works. That even when it doesn't seem like it, He's at work. Do you realize that? Just a little tangent. If, if you get any kind of involvement, if you're involved on social media of any kind, understand they have an algorithm that's designed to keep you on their platform. And you know what they, they can do is if they keep you on their platform, uh, the best way for them to do that is to make you angry and fearful about what you see. And if that fails, then they'll just continue feeding things that you already uh, believe and already agree with, whether you're right or not. That's algorithms. Algorithms are feed. Did you know that uh, it's been found just recently that the among the top 20 Christian Facebook pages that are in existence, the most people who follow them, right? Top 20 Christian Facebook pages. Maybe ones that you like and follow. I don't know. Of those 20, 19 out of the 20 were run by troll farms. You know what that means? Troll farm. Uh, It's it's a bunch of people uh, creating content to use for their own ends that that are likely, eventually, going to be used to turn your thinking to a way that would be contrary to what Jesus would want. Um, So we have to take a step back from the algorithms and, and actually consider a wider range of sources when we're thinking about what's happening in the world and what's happening in our faith and what we believe. You see, um, the question for all of us is how will we respond to the moments when someone pays us with evil? Uh, Marcus Aurelius, ironically a Roman emperor, he said this, the best revenge is not to be like that. The best revenge is to not be like that. There's a story about um, a father who was an alcoholic and he had two sons. And as you can imagine, growing up in a home with an alcoholic father, it was difficult and it was not pleasant. Um, One of the sons ended up following in his father's footsteps and and became an alcoholic himself and struggled with all those different things. And the other one uh, ended up becoming... uh, a respectful businessman, a good father, and they were both, those two sons were asked the same question, and that was this, why are you the way that you are today? And they both had the same response. I had an alcoholic father. See, but they didn't choose the same path. One of them chose one path and the other chose a different path. Certainly, uh, on a just a uh, story level, that that's simplistic, and there's certainly factors involved biologically and all those things. But on a simple standpoint, at the end of the day, we can't control what happens to us. You can't. But we can control how we respond. And Jesus is inviting us that when someone pays us with evil, and evil's in our pocket, evil's in our purse, that we choose to let it go and to give them back grace because if we don't get this right if we don't give careful thought to how we uh, do things 
and we don't do them in a way that's honorable to everyone, then we won't just sacrifice our reputation with the broader world. We'll continue giving people the wrong impression of who Jesus is. We're called to be full of grace and full of truth, just like Jesus was, full of grace and full of truth. And so we can pay back people with grace when they give us evil. We also understand that what is true is that no wrong will go unpunished and that we don't let them off the hook by doing that, but we invite them to follow Jesus in that. So the question is for some of us, have you received that grace? Because you cannot give what you do not possess. You can't give to someone else what you do not possess yourself. So have you surrendered to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Have you said, Jesus, you are the ultimate answer, the ultimate source of my life. You are the one I want to worship and and pledge my allegiance to for the rest of my days. I want to honor you with every breath I breathe because you are the one who gave each one of them to me. If you've not done that, if you've not surrendered to King Jesus and his call, his invitation to come follow him and thereby receiving grace upon grace upon grace and forgiveness and peace and joy and love, then I'd love to talk to you after service. If you're online, we'd love to talk to you. You can go to fccfamily.com slash contact and talk to us or leave a comment. If you're here in the room, talk to someone about that. We'd love to show you what it looks like to respond to Jesus and surrender to him. For others of us, though, um, there, you have surrendered to Jesus and maybe you've just lost sight of the grace that's been given to you. And maybe you're walking around today and you've got some evil in your pocket because of something someone said or did and, and, and it's resulted in not a healthy way of life. It's not resulted in peace and you walk around just kind of bitter. If that's you, I I just want to encourage you that God knows about it. He doesn't turn his head, but he leans in and he says, Hey, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Come and bring that to me so I can shower you with grace, so I can set you free. So what we're going to do um, to end is I'm going to start us in prayer, but what I want to do is just leave some space for, um, for us to just be with our Father and ask Him to, uh, if you have bitterness in your heart, to take that away. Um, if you've been having some anger fantasies about how you would get back at someone, maybe give those to God. Whatever it is, I want to give you some space to just spend with your Father. And we'll give you a couple minutes and then we'll, we'll join... Mike and Holly and sing out and worship to our King. Here, let me pray. Father, thank you for loving us and calling us to surrender to you and bestowing on us a title that is just wonderful. That in Jesus we can be your beloved son, we can believe be your beloved daughter in whom you're well pleased. God help us to see that. For anyone here today, Lord, who, who doesn't, hasn't received that gift, doesn't surrender to you with their lives, God, I pray that they would see that, that you would woo them to you. God, for some of us who are holding on to some things that we don't need to hold on to, God, would you please take us by the hand and bring us to the cross 
where all our sin and shame was nailed to because of Jesus' faithfulness. Would you help us to see that? And to let go of the bitterness we're holding on to and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lord, hear us as we speak to you. Hear us as we spend time with you. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.